listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. current sermon series, The Struggle is Real, and man, has it been good. Um, we are, we, when we were meeting as a teaching team, actually, this, this uh, sermon series was, um, was uh, God speaking to Mark Ashley's heart, and he brought it to the teaching team, and I just thought, yes, like, this is awesome. And, and so we were, we were talking as a teaching team and discussing the series, and, and we wanted to address all kinds of different relationships and their unique struggles. And we've tackled some very specific relationships that, frankly, may not apply to everyone, but sooner or later, we're going to touch on something that, apply, that does apply to you. And uh, so I just ask you to stay open through this series and take in what you can from each message, and who knows, maybe it'll apply to you in the future. Um, but in week two, Ricardo, I hope this message uh, doesn't apply to you in the future, but Ricardo tackled the topic of, of, of being single and, and how that singleness is in some senses, can be a gift. And especially in the church, we haven't done a very good job of helping our young adults value their time as a single. And in church, a lot of times, we tend to pressure them into getting married. And, and, and if you don't, then something must be wrong with you or something. And, and if you're a single out there and you missed that message, you need to go back to our podcast and listen to it because I guarantee it will bless you and challenge you because Ricardo did a phenomenal job. And, and, and as I already said, I was, a, I was attending the Christian Missionary um, National Conference in Columbus, Ohio, my hometown. And, and there I was surrounded by missionaries and church leaders from all over the world and all of them doing amazing things, but I still couldn't help feeling a little bummed that I had to miss last week's service because uh, the reason was because two of my favorite people on the planet, Brian and Jody Bell, spoke about marriage, and I just knew that God was going to bless so many people through them. I want you to raise your hand if last week's message just totally blessed you. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it did me on the podcast, and, and I know I can guarantee that it was more powerful live. Like, they, they're just amazing, and I'm so thankful for them. That's why I hate missing church is because I always end up feeling like I missed out on something. Like, do you ever feel like that? Like, if you miss church, you missed out on something? It's not uh, just because I need all the marriage advice I can get, but when I'm not here, I feel like I missed out on something I desperately need in my life. The thing that I'm talking about has nothing to do with me as the pastor or whoever speaks or the worship team. It has to do with the fact that God is moving in our community right now, right? He's healing old wounds, He's restoring broken relationships. He's setting captives of addiction, disgrace, and shame free. God is taking people deeper in their relationship with him than they thought was even possible. And, and yeah, you can, you can and should feed yourself through the word of God daily, and you can listen to messages on the podcast, and you can worship along to the radio in your car, but God is moving among us here and now, and the only way we get to see it in each other 
is through community. Being together, hearing each other's stories and struggles. That's what family does, right? And, and, and I've at least said it a million zillion times. The mission is not just a church. It's a It's a There we go. And that's what family does. In this family, right in this moment, we have a moment to be thankful for because real people with real struggles are finding real hope in Christ Jesus. And that's what God is doing among us, and we continue on that journey today. And, and there are, you might be wondering where we're going today, but uh, there are four words in the English language that hold incredible power over all adults. No matter the gender, ethnicity, social economic status, or stage of life, when strung together into a sentence, these words hold the power to induce an infinitely wide variety of intense responses. Most people, after hearing these words, their life will quite literally Never be the same. These four words that hold so much power are, you're having a baby. (laughs) So, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. You're going to have a baby. You're going to get a lot of advice. Ignore 90% of it. It's, It's worthless. Here's some good advice. 10 things I wish I knew before I became a parent. Um, Number 10. Everything you're doing is probably the best to somebody and the worst thing that you can possibly do to somebody else. So just do what works for you and don't get on the internet because you can Google anything and everybody has an opinion. You'll know how to take care of them. Do not care one ounce what other people think about you. Bam. Yeah. Number nine. (laughs) Get on a schedule. Get on a schedule. Get on a schedule if you want to live. Schedule is key to sleep. Schedule. Number eight. Everybody leaves this out. So parenting is hard. You can't. Sometimes you just can't handle it. Take just an hour. Go to grandma's. Drop the baby off. Go get some ice cream. Take a 20-minute nap. Make a date night once a week. And don't skip it. Number seven. This is important. Instead of having to like mold them to what you want. Discover who they are and let them, let them be. Number six. Be prepared for the unexpected because it will happen. Like maybe the possibility of having twins. There is a chance that your baby could go flying down a hill and then roll out of her car seat onto the road. Which may have happened. Number five. You've got to make room for the baby. Crib, changing table, car seat, stroller. Two strollers, actually. Bassinet that went into our room, even though he had a crib in his own room. And they're toys. More crap. He's got his own room. He's five pounds. He has his own room, right? Like, I don't have my own room. Number four. You're going to look back and you're going to say, I wish those times would come back. So keep them. Don't give them all away. They'll only wear it once but you'll keep it forever. Memories are the only thing that you have left after all this said and done. Number three. Be grateful for your kids. Be grateful! Things that you aren't prepared for can turn out to be good things in the end. Oh yeah, worth it. All the poop and snot and screaming and crying and fighting, worth it. All of it, totally worth it. Cherish 
every single minute. We would never have asked for the challenge, but we were so grateful for what she taught us. We're grateful every day for her life. The best thing that ever happened to us. Number two. Don't be too hard on yourself. It's gonna be okay. Some days you're just not gonna have a lot of patience, and that's okay. It really is all just spilled milk. The house can wait. All of the chores can wait. You have to remember that this is a massive change in your life and you're gonna feel every emotion there is to feel. Those deep, deep, deep emotions on either side of the spectrum. Yeah. Number one. The one thing that you just, you can't understand, that you can't prepare for, that you're not gonna know until you experience it. All the love. Be prepared to love something more than you ever thought you could because, because you haven't. You haven't yet. And it will be the best thing that you've ever done in your whole life. If I wasn't a mom, I can't imagine. It's been too wonderful. Just relax. You're going to be great, hopefully. I love that kid. That's awesome. I love the part, too, where the dad is like, the baby's five pounds and he's got his own room. I don't have my own room. Like, I love that. It's so true. I've never forgot... Um, I never forgot the first time that Kim told me that she was pregnant. Uh, we were in the middle of a church service, believe it or not, and uh, I had just finished leading worship, and we were beginning to listen to the, to the sermon, and Kim starts writing furiously on her church bulletin and, and, uh, and hands it to me eventually, and I read the words, I'm pregnant. <laughs> right? Like... I was, to say I was excited was like the understatement of the year. I, I actually tried to stand up in church so that I could shout it in front of everybody like, I'm having a baby, right? But, but Kim like grabbed me and like pulled me down. I, don't, I didn't care that the message was going on. In my book, some things are worth sharing, right? Like, like if, if ever you find out that you're having a baby for the first time in the middle of a church service, you have my permission to interrupt my message. But, um, but some things are worth sharing. So I, I try to stand up and Kim's like, no, she like pulls me back down, you know, sit down. And she like explains to me very calmly that there's like uh, a, a chain of command for these sort of things. <laughs> like, like you, you, uh, you, you, first you, you know, you tell your family and then you tell your super close friends and then, you know, you kind of leak the word, whatever. I don't know. I was excited. I wanted to, I was so excited to be a dad. She's lucky that I just tried to shout it out because cartwheels down the church aisle was definitely an option. Like, um, I was, I was seriously excited and, and fast forward nine months, my oldest son Dylan is born and Kim was a champ through the whole delivery. But before I even got to hold my son, the doctor turns to me and says, would you like to cut the cord? And I'm telling you guys, like, all of a sudden, the reality of the situation I was entering hit me like a load of bricks. Like, I was about to change roles in parenting from spectator to participant. And because up until that moment, Kim had done all the hard work, right? Like, I didn't do any hard work. And, and, um, and so I was 
totally paralyzed with fear. That, that moment probably only lasted a few seconds, but to me, it felt like time literally stands still, you know, in like TV shows where everybody becomes mannequins, like, like that's, that's, that's what it felt like to me. And, and uh, like, I started to think like, um, this thing that they're still cleaning sludge off of, like, like needs me, like starting now, like now. And, and I feel like that's the balance, right? The parenting continues to be one of the things in life that brings me the most joy and gives me the most temptation to be afraid, like to be fearful, right? Uh, that tension, uh, that's the tension when it comes to parenting. And for example, your kid creates this amazingly abstract painting for you at school, right? And, and, and he's so proud to give it to you and, and you love it with all your heart. And somewhere in the back of your mind, you're also thinking like, wow, this is kind of good. Like, I mean, mustard and yellow together were a bold color choice, but I mean, like, I saw something down at Augie's that looks just like this, so it must be good, right? And, and so, like, I'm thinking, like, oh, crap, does this mean I need to pay for art school? Oh, no, you know? Like, and so that's the, that's the tension of, of overwhelming joy and, and sudden fear continues to play throughout the course of parenting. I'm exaggerating, of course, but you get the point. Um, parenting is easily one of the hardest jobs that I've been blessed with, and, and it is a blessing. And like the parents in the video said, people are going to give you all kinds of advice, and some of it's great, and some of it is worthless. And you can read all the parenting books you want, because the Lord knows that there's so many of them out there. And some of these books may work for you, and others won't, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's an individual thing. But, but one book that is often overlooked that holds some heavy wisdom in parenting is the Bible. Amen. And so we're going to look at some scriptures today. Would you turn with me in the Bible to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. I'm reading from the ESV. Um, would you just read this aloud with me together? Proverbs 22.6. Here we go. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Many of you have heard this scripture before or seen it on a Facebook post or maybe a needlepoint in your grandma's house. Um, this is probably the most famous scripture referencing parenting, but I feel like it's really easy to apply our own meaning to it rather than God's intended meaning. Um, the first thing that jumps out to me about the scripture is the word, is that word train, train. So it's, okay, so train. So it's not just that I stop my kids from doing bad things in a reactionary way, but instead, it's my responsibility to train them in the way they should go proactively. So what does that mean to train your child in a biblical manner? Uh, where do we start? I mean, that's an overwhelming thought. Well, the original Hebrew context for this word train, actually the phrase train up, in the sense that it is used in the scripture actually means to dedicate, to dedicate and I'm not speaking of when we dedicate children to the Lord in our services, although that dedication could include this. The kind of dedication this scripture is inferring with uh, this phrase train up is more focused 
on an intentional, sustained, God-dependent shepherding of our children's heart as they grow into an adult. This is focused more on an intentional, sustained, God-dependent shepherding of our children's heart as they grow into adulthood. That's the kind of dedication that this word or phrase, train up, was communicating in its original context. And, but what does that tangibly look like? Um, I feel like this concept could still be a little nebulous for some folks, so I want to break it down just a little bit further with what I like to call the three D's of dedication. I came up with that on my own. Pretty good, huh? Three D's of dedication, which, as we already discussed, and is another way of, of, of saying train, or this phrase, train up, uh, as in train up your child in the way they should go. Um, just so you know, I don't claim to be a parenting expert um, or anything. I, in fact, actually tried to talk my wife into teaching this message because I felt ill-equipped. Um, but uh, parenting is something that I'm still growing in every single day, and it challenges me every single day. But I would humbly submit that these few thoughts on the three Ds can help us in our day-to-day child training. And, and now I, I want to say up front that uh, I don't want you to hear these three Ds and experience guilt. Rather, I, I really, it, it's really easy to feel like you're failing as a parent. It is so easy. And with the feeling of failure comes the feeling of defeat. And rather than taking on any guilt Um, of what you may be feeling like you're not doing well, I would rather you focus that energy into opening up to possibility of growth and change. Uh, We're all just doing the best we can, right? And and I believe these three Ds of dedication will will, will be helpful to all of us if we receive them with open minds and and hearts. And I feel confident in these thoughts because I didn't come up with them. They... uh, they come straight out of the Bible. All I did was reword them to start, all start with the letter D, so, um, because that's a very pastory thing to do. So, um, so And uh, I'm just going to lay them all out for you right now. I'm going to lay them on you. The three Ds of dedication are direction, discipline, and devotion. Discipline, or uh, direction, discipline, and devotion. So if you're taking notes, um, write those down and leave some space in between each one so you can take little notes on each one. Um, As we read, um, we are called as parents to train up our child in the way he or she should go. This means helping them know the difference between right and wrong. This This is the first D, direction. Direction as in guidance or teaching. And as we already said, we're called to, um, as parents to train up our child in the way he or she should go. This means helping them to know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. Helping them to discover what is morally pleasing to God, but also what is offensive to God, while remembering that they are unique individuals keeping in mind that what gets through to one may not get through, um, it may just go over the head of another, right? And direction is partly about watching and being present in those teachable moments that arise, but also setting uh, the rhythms of your home. 
Um, what I mean by that is, is teaching your child by the choices you make in your home. For example, do you, uh, does your child only see you pray at bedtime? Like, do you only put, pray with your child at bedtime? I swear that my boys, to this day, still include um, that everyone would have a good night's sleep in, the, in their prayers at night. Why? Because literally, for years, that was Kim and I's only prayer. Like, Lord, please let us all get a good night's sleep. Please, please. And, and, and they heard it over and over and over again, and, and it just became a part of their rhythm, right? And, and another example is ever since they were babies, I have uh, sung the boys to sleep at bedtime. And about a year ago, I realized I was still singing the same handful of songs that uh, I'd been singing to them their whole life. And, and uh, you know what? At some point, they... They stopped listening, like, maybe years ago. And, and so I decided to make the singing before bed a worship time. So I'll go get my guitar, and we'll sing whatever song from church they want to sing. And it's actually really, it's been so amazing to hear them sing these uh, powerful songs that de- declare biblical truth about who Jesus is. And it, it's become our nightly rhythm. It's just a part of what we do now. And, and we take a time, we, we took a time that was mindless and basically just going through the motions and we changed it to be intentional. And uh, the thing we have to realize is that we are always teaching our children. We are always teaching our children whether we are aware of it or not. Boy, is that a scary thought, Right? We're always giving them direction, even if it is in the passive nature we interact with them. Wow, that phone must be really important because dad hasn't heard a word I said for like 10 minutes, right? Man, am I guilty of that one. I am so guilty of that one. We, we are always directing our child, but is our direction and teaching them, teaching, helping them down the path that leads to our to, <laughs> that leads to the destination of God's unique purpose for them? Is it helping them discover and explore who God made them to be? Direction is absolutely vital because you can't move on to the next D if you haven't done the first D well. The second D is discipline. Discipline is tricky because it's really reliant on direction. If you haven't taught your child that something is wrong or negative or offensive to God, how can you in good conscience discipline them for a behavior that you haven't taught them about? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, we, we have to discipline our children. I'm not a hippie, I promise. Like, the Bible talks about discipline, disciplining our children in in Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent in discipline. Now, I'm not using this verse to advocate spanking. I just want to throw that out there because that's your call as a parent. But, But what I believe is at the heart of this proverb is helping your child understand consequences. Another proverb says this, Proverbs 23:15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, 
But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Helping our children understand that there are consequences to the decisions that we make is absolutely vital to their becoming a healthy adult. If we shield them from the consequences of the choices that they make when they're young, we're setting them up for that same expectation when they're out on, the, on their own in the world. And, and as we all know, most of the time in the world, if you make a dumb decision, you pay the consequences. And it's going to hurt probably, right? Like, that's why in this proverb about whoever spares the rod hates his son is so important. We, we, we have to teach our kids that consequences hurt. And again, I'm not talking about a physical hurt. I'm speaking of a hurt that is going to cause them to stop in their tracks and think about the consequences of what they're doing. For Dylan, we found that very few things got through to him in, in, in that way. Whatever punishment, um, whatever his punishment was, he would just do it mindlessly and get it over with and go back to whatever bad behavior he was doing. And, and uh, he didn't care one bit about extra chores, you know. Uh, it, it wasn't causing him to think which is what we wanted, right? Uh, so Kim came, Kim's brilliant, by the way. Kim came up with this plan that whenever he made a really bad choice, that we would have him bring us his Pokemon deck, his Pokemon card deck. And he would give it to us, and, and we would go through and pick one card, not his absolute best card, but maybe like his third best card, right? And we would take it, and keep it, and he would not get it back. It sounds harsh, but after a few times of that, he started to think, right? He, start, he, he did not like that consequence. And, and grasping this cause and effect mentality is vital to a child's training, and particularly helping them begin to choose steps in the way they should go on their own, right? Because that's the point of all this. We're training them to be adults someday, right? Hopefully, uh, adults that love God see the value in morality and find redemption for when they veer from the path in the arms of Jesus. And can I say that effective discipline, not that you asked me, but effective discipline doesn't happen when you're angry. In my own life, I've noticed that when I try to discipline my boys when I'm angry, it just makes things worse. Uh, it, it becomes a power struggle, and they know that when I'm really angry, I'm probably about 30 seconds away from giving up in frustration, and, and, and they're going to continue on in whatever bad decision, or maybe they're just going to try it again or something. Uh, when that situation arises, I have to step away, uh, collect myself, and come back to it, and, and come back to uh, discipline in a stable mindset. And sometimes if Kim sees it coming and I'm not stepping away, she'll just come over and just like touch my arm. Just like, and, uh, and, then, um, and then I know that whatever I'm doing right then is not going the way it needs to go. And, and I think this is important because Ephesians 6.4 says this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in uh, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction, or some might say direction, because it starts with a D. And, and the final D is devotion. 
as in faithful love. Devotion, as in faithful love. Uh, Children, despite all the frustration, are a treasure, a blessing. As Psalm 127, 3 through 5 puts it, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Children are a gift from God. But here's the thing. Faithful love and and devotion to them, faithful love and devotion to them means not making their parenting about us. I'm going to say that again. Faithful devotion to our children means not making their parenting more about us than it is about them. That sounds like a no-brainer, but if we really think about our decisions, I bet we'd be amazed at how many times our parenting choices are influenced by what's better for us than necessarily what's the right thing for our child. Devotion And faithful love means that we always put their best interests first, no matter how embarrassing they're being at Target. Like, if you got to carry them out kicking and screaming, you know, whatever, more power to you, I've been there. I mean, it means sacrificing and dying to self daily for their good. 1 Corinthians 13 is read a lot of times at weddings, but I think it just as easily applies to loving our children. Um, I'm just going to read it. Just, you don't need to read along, just absorb it. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I offer up my body to be burnt but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, Jesus comes back, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. 
but the greatest of these is love. I can't even imagine a better description of what devotion looks like to our children than that. These three D's of dedication can help us understand what it truly means to train up a child in the way they should go. I'm going to call the worship team to come on back up now. And, and uh, as you've listened to this message, if you began to feel shame and thought of, of these three Ds as a list of things you're not doing well, I just want to say, guess what? Join the club, right? Like, we're all doing the best we can. And parenting is one of the toughest jobs there is, and a lot of folks are doing it alone these days, which, I, which is even harder. I can't even imagine. But God has given us a roadmap in his word to help us along. And the truth is that the only thing we are able to do is offer our best to our kids. So I, want, I actually I want to take a moment and pray for all the young families that are in the thick of training right now. So if, if you are, um, if you have kids at home and you're in the thick of training, I just would like to have you stand if you feel comfortable um, and just, so just stand up and we want to pray for you. I know it's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Just stand up. And uh, here's what I want to do. I want to have those just around them, maybe people who have been through parenting their kids or grown in college or, or adults. If there are any parents around, would you just lay hands on these folks around? And, and everybody else, if you want to go lay a hand on somebody, please do it. Let's make sure everybody gets, gets prayed for. I just want to pray for you guys right now. Father God, these young parents, Lord, that are in the thick of it, God, I don't know what they are feeling. They may be feeling overwhelmed. They may be feeling peaceful at the moment. God, but I pray, Lord, I pray that despite wherever they're at in the present moment, God, Lord, that you would draw near to them. That you would just place your hand upon them. God, that you would give them wisdom beyond their own. Lord, that you would give them the peace that surpasses understanding, God, and that you would give them the courage to lay down their ability to understand so that they can partake in that peace, Lord. Father God, children are a gift from you. Lord, let us never forget that. Lord, let us never forget that even on our worst day, our time with them as little kids, it goes so quickly. Father, so bring people into our lives 
and into this family that, are, that have the gift of encouragement. On the darkest day of these parents, may these people just encourage them to the life and love of Jesus. Lord, help us open our hands and surrender over our children, Lord. Lord, let us remember and never forget to pray and cover our children. Just bathe them in prayer, Lord. That they would be raised up to be mighty men and women for your kingdom, Lord. That they would be history makers, that they would be rich in your Holy Spirit and that you would use them for your glory. Father, help us as a family to draw near to those that are in despair. Give us awareness. And give us words to encourage along the way. Guide us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.